The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. We went from literally 10 members to three months later, like 50. Then I got moved of state and it, it blew up to 300. We were going to be the most violent. We were going to spray, display a certain degree of violence if we had to. We were going to take over any yard we had to. That's what it was going to be. Smash off lanes, whatever we were going to do. You can preach all the honor, loyalty, and respect that you want, but there's no honor amongst these. There's not. You know, when you have a bunch of misfits who are just like crabs, reaching out, pulling each other down all the time, nobody can get to the top. That we were, what we were doing was we were running dead people's taxes, man. And we were doing taxes. Like we, this guy, he was a you know white-collar dude. He got locked up in the state. They were messing with him. We kind of took him under the ring. You know, now, looking back on all of it, if I could make better choices, of course I would. Hey, this is Matt Cox, and I'm here with Lance uh, from Off the Yard. Uh, he's got a YouTube channel. He's got a true crime uh, story, and uh, we're going to be looking into it. And so check this out. So I appreciate you uh, coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, uh, have you been, you've been interviewed by some other people, right? Like you been, you were on, um, oh shoot. Uh, what is it? Is it, uh, locked up? I've been on, uh, I've been on lockdown 23 and one blood on razor wire DLC TV. Um, that's a lot of, I've been on a lot of channels. Um, Jay Williams, less of life. So, um, you know, it's, it's, I, I've told their story, but, um, you know, it's, it's it's one of the stories I think that relates to everybody that's been down that road, man. You know, so there's pieces of my story that pertain to a lot of different people, man. I think that's why I've been able to reach um, the people that I've been able to reach. All right. Well, let's let's get into it. So what so I mean, I, you know, unlike, you know, what we were saying before we started was that, you know, like the I'm more con- more interested in like the prison story, like, you know, where you know, where you were raised, how you were raised, what got you into committing crime, that sort of thing. Like what got you to prison that I think a lot of the channels. Okay. So we, you know, I was, I was born in Lynn Mance and that's a, it's a very poor area. Um, outside of Boston, my mom and I were just pretty much alone. Dad dipped, um, you know, she bounced from place to place, guy to guy, whatever, you know, and it was just, um, you know, is what it was, what it was. Uh, we moved to Virginia when I was very young, 11, 12 years old, man. Um, and she met her uh, husband that she's still with today, who I never got along with. I rebelled early. And um, he was. How, how old was, were you? This, how old this were you? Was, huh? How old were you when you she got remarried? I was about eight or nine and then after they got 
man, we ended up moving to Virginia. And um, he was he was old school, man. He was, he was really hands-on type of dude, man. And, like, everything that you did wrong, it wasn't whether you were going to get hit. It was how many times. You know what I mean? So he didn't drink or do any, any type of drugs. He just was mean. And they had a they had a son together. And I think I was just kind of a constant reminder for her of where she came from, man, and, and where she, you know, she wasn't proud of. So, you know, as a child, you feel that. You know, I don't care if your parents are trying to hide it from you, which mine weren't, but you feel it. And if you if you're a young man or a young boy growing up, you need nurturing, you need love, you need you need certain things, or you're gonna grow up bad. All right. So, you know, I started to act what I was dealing with at home out in public. And at 12, 13 years old, I've already done a couple of juvie stints for fighting in school. Um, and I didn't get along with other kids because I felt like the stuff that they were complaining about was peanuts, you know. <laughs> um, so... You know, the more wrapped up in the system I got as a juvenile, the easier it became to do time, man. Uh, first time, obviously, I was like, I think it was 11 the first time I went to juvie. And I cried. You know, I did 10 days and I was crying. I wanted to go home and all that. By the third time, I it was better there than it was while I was living it. Um, so I dealt with it, man. And I, I guess, and, uh, you know, anybody that's been locked up, you, you, it surprisingly adapt well sometimes to, to being incarcerated. But when I would come out, uh, you know, I wasn't getting any help in there. You know what I'm saying? So I'm coming out just as mad as I went in. And uh, now by the time I'm 15, 16, I'm a convict. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because some of those juvie centers are worse than any prison I've ever been in, man. You know, as right. far as, you know, because you, you have a 14, 15-year-old kids doing life sentences in there. That are doing, you know, they're, they're staying there 21 and then they're going to ju uh, to prison to do 20, 30 years or life or whatever they're doing. And, you know, how, how do you, you know, I don't know. It was just, it was odd to go in and out, in and out. You know, and it was, I felt like I had to come out and improve. Like, when you're incarcerated, you, you have to prove yourself all the time. You got to prove how tough you are. Prove you're not a punk, whatever. So when you come out as a child, you're going back into, into high schools or, or whatever. You take that same mentality, you don't last long. So, you know, I ended up going in for a couple of years to a place called Beaumont, which was like the baddest of the bad year um, in Virginia where I live at. And when I got out of there, I, I, I could tell like I was different. You know what I mean? Like I knew that something had changed. I knew that I wasn't like a, the, the, the carefree or whatever kid I used to be. And I, I I didn't know how to function out here, Matt. You know what I mean? I didn't I didn't know how to work a job because I couldn't take a boss telling me what to do because then he's hurting my pride. You know, like, you know, it's just always about, yeah. and, and it's just it's really it's it's stupid, but it's real, man. It's 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 common. So I I went to doing what I do, what I did, man. Rob and steal and pedal dope. How old? How old were you? Okay, so the first time I went to, to prison was 1997, and I was 17 years old. Um, and I got, you know, Charlie got mixed up in some real bad stuff, and um, 
was looking at a lot of time. Um, so violent crime, people got hurt. <laughs> um, as is this a robbery? Is this like a robbery or? It was a it was a carjacking. It was a and so it was it was the original charge, um, which was later messed with in plea bargains, was attempted murder, carjacking, and strong arm robbery. That was the original charges. Um, you got, basically, you got I okay. Go, sorry, go ahead. We lured a, lured a kid. We lured a kid back in the woods. Um, dude, I knew from school, and basically, it, I it beat him real bad. Robbed and stole his car. You know what I mean? But in the state of Virginia, how I beat it was kind of, you can't carjack someone unless you take them out of the car. He was already out of the car. You know what I mean? So that was dropped yeah. in the ground. The attempt to homicide, they couldn't prove that. You know, they obviously, they trump it up, so I plead out. Plead out the first offense, which was like a, a felonious assault or something like that, and then the, the robbery. So ended up getting uh, six and a half years for that. And, and <laughs> um, but the problem was when I got when I got sent to the county jail, being that young, you know, it, it was like I felt like I had to prove myself again. I'd I'd earned it in the juvenile system, right? But now I'm in Route Maine. So in reality, I'm terrified. Yeah. Right. I'm not really bad badass. I'm terrified. So I in my I don't have like in my in my mentality it wasn't like a fight or flight issue. It was always just go head 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 on, man. And so I I started doing the same thing, man. Lashing out, violence, violence, violence. And got my bell rung numerous times in there. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm a kid, you know. So, but by catching those charges, I ended up in a Supermax. So, my first prison stint was in a Supermax at 18 years old. And How much time? That was for the six years. That was when I, the first the first time I went as an adult. And I went to a place called Sussex One. They had just built these new prisons in Virginia. They were closing the old ones down and they had built these supermaxes and they were modeled after like Pelican Bay and things like that. Uh, they had a uh, Wallens Ridge, Red Onion, and Sussex One. And that's where I went to Sussex One. And um, they had high profile crime guys there, you know, it was, it was, a, it was, it was prison. You know, you have, you have, you have correctional facilities and you have state prison. And that was the state yeah. prison. So, that's where I was, man, and, and that's where I stayed. I couldn't level down. Couldn't behave myself, got into everything, and, and just I embraced being a gangster. That's what I wanted to be because I didn't think I was worth anything else. I didn't think that there was any other life for me because all I could remember was this. So right. that's kind of what it was, and that was. Well, that's how you've been surviving thus far, too. Like you know, you don't know anything else. That's how you've been surviving since you were a little kid. So, what 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 alternative is there? And a lot of people say, "Well, you could turn your life around." Yeah, yeah, that's I, I guess a possibility. But when you 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 don't have that, you know, you don't. There's nobody telling you that. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Whatever. You know, you can look back and say, "I would have, could have," but you know, well, I'm you know, I I I talked to you know my girlfriend did like five years right, and like when. Everybody she knows has gone to prison. They're all selling drugs. They're all like, you, you don't even have a, she doesn't even have a role model. Like, you know, even when she's like, I want to change it. You don't even have somebody to help guide you. You know what I'm saying? So I get that. I, I you know, and I, I would meet guys all the time where you hear their fucking lives and you're like, this dude don't have a chance. Like he got, he got nobody to even 
even uh, point him in the right direction. So, I mean, I, 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 you know, I hear what you're saying. Like I, I can, and you know, you can see, it's easy to say, oh, you could have this, you could have that, but it's just, it's not that easy when you don't have anybody pointing you in that direction. I hope you're enjoying the video. I have a quick word from our sponsor, Stanage Watches. We're doing a promotion with Stanage right now where they're offering a watch that they sell for typically $300. They're selling that watch through the channel for $200. The first 10 people that send me an email saying that they want a watch, I will arrange payment with them and shoot you a watch out as quickly as possible. They're great watches. They come in a bunch of different colors and I really like them. I appreciate you guys watching. Go in the description box where my email is and you can send me an email. See ya. And everybody that you, Every time, and every time they you get back out, you go back to the same situation with the same people, and they're trying to, you, you know, they're, they're crabs. They're trying to hold you down. They don't want to see you get out. But that's all you got, right? Yeah, but I'm that, seeing that, you know, and so you you, you come out, and it's like you forget you just did all them years. You, you forget where you just came from real fast. And you know, I tell guys like you know, when I mentor now and talk to people now, it's like. The first thing I tell them when they come out, like, listen, don't forget that guy you just left. Okay, because it's in a, in a matter of weeks, you're going to be back in a full swing of things. And you're going to see them old people, man. And, and my mistakes were always the same ones, man. And, and I, always, I always tell my, 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 my girl, like, I'm the dumbest smart person I've ever met in my life. You know what I mean? Like, I just make bad decisions. And it's true. But I didn't understand, like, at the time how bad they were, you know, because it was just a game to me. Cops and robbers, really, I didn't care because what did I really have, you know? So even in the jail, I was still trying to, like, I wanted a family, dude, and I wanted to have camaraderie. I wanted to be a part of a tribe. You know, I wanted that, and I never had. From very early, I was like, hurry up and get out, man. We are, we just don't you. So that's what led me to later on in life. You know, with the next the next long bid that I did, um, becoming a gang member. So I became a gang member on my last bid, right? I was thirty years old. You know what I mean? This is this is the crazy thought process, and I had never really like cared about being in a gang. Never cared about anything that they were talking about. And then I found the organization I became a part of. And I don't know if it was timing or if it was my, my, you know, my old wisdom or whatever, man. You know, it was, it, it was all crap. And I fed right into it, hook, line, and sinker. And they saw someone that they could push to the top that was going to go 100%. And I did. And I almost lost the rest of my life over it. You know what I mean? And, and almost got a Rico case over it. Like, it was, you know... It went from a, a, a corny little jail gang to something very big, very fast. So and, what do you got? Wait, so what are you doing? Like you're saying that they pushed you to the top. What is it? What does that mean? What are you, what are you guys doing? So when I found the gang and, and it was like, I would say 2012, yeah, 2012, it, I automatically wanted to be the best, right? I wanted to show these guys that I was a part of them. They were a part of me. And 
loyalty is something very big to me, right? Because I've never had it. And I've always given it. And, and it's been something that it's just a constant broken heart all the time because I put faith in so many people because I want to feel that. I want to be reciprocated. I don't get that. So when I started to feel it, I embraced it. And I thought the only way I could keep it was to be the most violent, savage person I could be because that's what they want. Right? Okay. And, and, and it's, yeah. So, and it was the same manipulative shit that I preached to the people that I was recruiting. Of who I go back today and, and apologize to daily. Because, and well, back to, so what I would do is in the jail before I went down the road or whatever, I was ended up, they ended up putting me in a hole my last six months in jail because I was just causing too many problems. You know, the, and, and all these little dudes were starting to follow us around and they were starting to, we were getting big. You know what I mean? I mean, we're sitting in, we went from literally 10 members to three months later, like 50. Then I got moved of state and it, it blew up to 300. And it was just, I mean, everywhere you went, you started seeing this stuff. So the, the point of the matter was we were going to be the most violent. We were going to spray, display a certain degree of violence if we had to. We were going to take over any yard we had to. That's what it was going to be. Smash off lanes, whatever we were going to do. And we call ourselves protecting, you know, this or protecting that. But we were only protecting somebody if it benefited us. You know what I mean? That's just, that's what gangs do. Right. So you can preach all the honor, loyalty, and respect that you want, but there's no honor amongst these. There's not. You know, when you have a bunch of misfits who are just like crabs, reaching out, pulling each other down all the time, nobody can get to the top. The only person that's at the top is the one that started there. So, you know, they, the people up top, I guess, you know, they, they, they liked what they saw, man. And, and, and we were going fast and all they saw were dollars. You know, what can we kick to, what can we kick to them? So I sacrificed, I lost a lot of good time, you know, by this time though, I had a, I had a son. So my last time being out, I had a son. He was a baby when I went in. Um, but I, I had contact with him and it amazes me to this day. It's divine intervention. I thank God every day that I'm even out anymore. Like I shouldn't be out um, to see him grow because he was a teenager when I come home. And uh, I had the opportunity to be a father now, which is great. You know, and it's, it's, it's just very fulfilling. But there was a point in time when I was coming close to the end of my bid. And that's when the feds show up and they're like, look, this is what we have, we're, and we have proof that we what we were doing was we were running dead people's taxes, man, and we were doing taxes. Like we, this guy, he was a you know white collar dude. He got locked up in the state. They were messing with him. We kind of took him under the ring, and it was like, you know, hang with us. Nothing will happen to you. Blah blah. He starts talking about this lick he does with taxes or whatever, and I'm like, look, I don't know any of that you're talking about. You know, <laughs> I'm just a, uh, you're bypassing all this, so. Take care of it. We'll make sure you get fed. Whatever. Which we did. We, we know we kept our word, but it, it caught, it got them on my line. And when they got on my line, they started to see hits. They started to see violence. They started to see um, he's doing the tax drop. He's doing the drop from inside of a prison with your help. With y'all's help. Yeah, yeah I mean, I would never... He never got out. He stayed in there. He's filling out the taxes. He's just mailing them off and getting them back. 
he had somebody in the street that was helping him. I don't know who that was. Okay. Yeah, no, no, okay. he wasn't doing all of it. He was just orchestrating, I guess, is what it was. Yeah. Uh, no, nah, yeah, no, nah, he wasn't doing it all, but he was definitely knew what he was doing. You know what I'm saying? Okay. What year was this? This was 2017. Shit. That was, it was really booming by then. Like that, that scam really blew, you know, blew up over the course of like 2015 to, you know, well, shoot it a little earlier. Like it got really big, but so from doing it from inside of a state prison, that's difficult, but yeah. Okay. I, but I hear you. Yeah. He, I mean, like I said, he had somebody he talked to out there. I don't, I didn't ask that. That wasn't my business. I mean, so, you know, it was, it was, it was very lucrative though, man, whatever he was doing. And, but it ended up getting, because they were using one of my PO boxes and that's how they got on my line. So, yeah. So anyway, when he comes to talk to me, he said, this was originally why we were looking at you. He said, now we're looking at you for Rico and Dyke. He said, because you want to be a gang leader. You want to, you know, they had, and it's like, I told people, Thomas, like CSI, when they got like the picture and all like the thing, they literally had that. You know what I mean? It was like, I thought it was kind of extra. I was like, because I'm in the hole waiting to get transferred out of Greensville um, because we had gotten into a big argument with some ABs there, got to fight with them, and they locked me up. I've been in the hole for like three months. And he comes to visit me, shows up, and like, I don't know who he was when he showed up because I'd never seen him on a prison. I knew he wasn't a gang investigator. I knew all them. He showed up in like flip-flops and like a polo shirt. And like, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> I come out like talking crap at first. I'm like, what's up, man? Who are you? And he's like, I'm such and such from February Investigations. I was like, <laughs> when he when he said that, I knew it was real, man. And I was like, yeah, we ain't in Kansas anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like when it, I and I tell people like when you have those types of people at you, that's a 95 percent conviction rate, man. You're you're not beating them. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, by they're talking to you. By the time they're talking to you, you got problems. Yeah. Not much you can say at this point. You're just, you got, you got an issue. You're already on it. You're already listed on an indictment somewhere, probably. Yeah. It was a sealed indictment is what he had. He had it like a folder. It was a, and it was a sealed indictment. That's what, I don't know what that meant, but I was like, doesn't sound good, but it doesn't sound like it's over. I was like, what's, what's up? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he was like, well, that kind of depends on you. He said, basically, look, we, we, we don't really, the, the tax sheet, whatever. You didn't make enough money to really us care about. Um, but this other stuff has got some people worried. You know what I mean? Because people are getting hurt. And and you're going across state lines. So that's another thing, too, is that we're going to, like, talking to people from Maryland, talking to people in the federal system. They were copying letters from Lewisburg and ADX from all of us. And it was just, it was, a, it was they were trying to put me in with Sweeney and Rock. You know what I mean? Like, they were like, all the DMI stuff is going to... We're going to crush it right now. So, you know, I, I told them, well, I'm not going to debrief or anything. They were like, I'm not here to do that. You know, but anything else that we get that pertains to you, point the finger to, to say anything, you're going to prison for the rest of your life. Basically, like, we're going to bring this up. We don't want to get into a big and messy trial. That's what he was like. He's like, I don't want to try with this right now. You know what I'm saying? It's not, he's like, I'm coming to you because... I know you got a kid. Like, I'm, I'm trying to be a good human being here. Now it's all you to be a good one. Um, 
and I walked away. I went on the yard, my next yard, man, and 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 you know, just pretty much said what it was, do the truth. And at that point in time, I was 40 years old. You know what I mean? I'd done all this stuff. I had nothing to show for it. You know what I mean? There was no camaraderie. The minute I got locked up, half my guys were snitching on me. You know what I mean? So my guys were the ones telling these people what I was doing. Not wait, so, wait, so the agent gave you an opportunity to try and fix it, work with him, talk to him, something. You said no, and you left? No, he, he, no, no, he never asked me to work with him. What he said was, they didn't want to go through a trial. They want to bring up a trial. He was like, we're not going to bring up a trial for this. He was like, because honestly, he's like, it's, 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 it's petty gangbang bullshit. He said, but the gang investigator that was there named, named Duke, right? He was the one that was kind of pushing it. He was like, it's out of state's hands. We can't control him. You know what I mean? So it might have been a scare tactic. I don't know. What he had in that, I don't know. I didn't want to know. But they said, basically, we don't want to hear your fucking name again. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cool. just walk away, do the rest of your time, walk out, get out. But if your name comes Eddie, up again. I was a year to the door. And he was like, you're getting ready to go to reentry. And he's like, you don't seem like a bad dude, man. He was like, I get it. But you need to get it. Like, you're going to, you're going to, you're not going home if you don't. This is what I'm telling you. And I, you know, I, I never ratted on, I never told him, never rolled, I didn't do any of that. Cause there really wasn't nothing. Who was I going to roll on? <laughs> Me? You know what I mean? They're like, right. oh. So that, that was, that was the, the turning point, man. Like it, it was one of the things where like, I knew I wasn't going to see my son anymore. You know what I mean? Cause it was hard enough to get for him to get to Virginia. Much less today, if there was a shit up to Pennsylvania or wherever, West Virginia, wherever, you know what I mean? So, but it, even, even with all that going on, it was still hard because it was all I had. You know what I'm saying? It was all I had. Mm -hmm. So part of me was like, well, maybe I can outsmart. You know, maybe I can, maybe I can be slick. You know what I mean? John Gotti wasn't slick. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't know, man. I'm not that smart. So it wasn't, it wasn't worth it for me to keep, you know, try to do that, man. But that's pretty much, you know, why, you know, I, I was doing those things, man. I think it was all because... I just wanted a home, bro. Didn't have one. My home was prison. I became prison. You know, and everything about prison is is violence and and um, just you know uh, somebody trying to get get over all the time. Even the nice people in the world just trying to get over. So, uh, it law enforcement often questions him, not because he's suspected of a crime but because they find him fascinating. He is the most interesting man in the world. I don't typically commit crime, but when I do, it's bank fraud. Stay greedy, my friends. Support the channel. Join Matthew Cox's Patreon. You know, now, looking back on all of it, if I could make better choices, of course I would. You know, of course I would go back and say, you know, I don't think I should do that, you know? Maybe not today, but so 
So when you got released, you went back to the same town, same place? I went to a motel room. Um, no halfway house? Uh, they, nobody would take me because I had a violent crime. Right. My PO gave me three days in a motel, um, which I met a girl. Let me deal with her real quick. <laughs> she was crazy. Whatever. I had to do something. Uh, right. And uh, about, about you know, about, I'd say two months after that, uh, I met, who's my ex now, but my ex Brandy, who I moved in with her and went to risk. So um, that was all right. You know what I mean? I was living a normal life. You know what I'm saying? Like I was working, living in the suburbs, you know, didn't really fit in. But hey, I was like, you know, walked outside in the morning. Hey, Bob. You know, like, like, right. But, but I wasn't like happy. And, and I didn't know why. Cause this is all I ever wanted, right? Just wanted this life, bro. Da, 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 da. And I got with a chick who was the complete opposite of me because I thought that's what I needed to. Um, and uh, almost immediately we're bumping heads, you know, because it's one thing to get like the, the, um, what is it, the opposite of track thing. And, you know, hang out for a couple of weeks or whatever, when you're trying to like live together, raise kids and, and like, we just see the world very different, you know, and it's, we, we don't have the same goggles on. So we argued a lot. And then eventually, you know, that, that spent, sent me spiraling, you know, and, you know, I think as, as ex cons or addicts or whatever, man, we're so susceptible to the feeling of sorry for yourself, you know, like we, we use it for everything. You know, like I used it, you know, I used it in front of the, in front of the world, man. I, I, I had to come on my platform and like confess. I relapsed, right. you know, he was, everyone knew, you know what I mean? They all were like, Dude, we knew that already. You know, nobody's really blind. You think they are, but they're not. So I relapsed, went down that spiral and, uh, um, that's kind of what I'm fighting my way out of right now, man. Like rock bottom again at 44 years old. So. Listen, I, I started over at 50. Nice. You know, it's, hard, it's hard. It, listen, I, I lived, I lived in someone's spare room for 18, you know, halfway house for seven months. Didn't even try and, and get out. I wanted every minute of that halfway house and eight, I spent 18 months in someone's spare room. You know, I mean, like, like, so like I, I, you know, I had, I, I was lucky enough to have about four, five, about four or 500 bucks when I hit the halfway house and I went and bought $300 worth of clothes at Walmart and I was thrilled. I only had two pair of sweatpants and a couple t-shirts. <laughs> you know, I had a pair of tennis shoes with holes in them, but I was listen, I was happy to be outside. Like I remember being in prison thinking you got to get humble. You got to start being appreciative because you know, I don't, you know, like that's a big thing for me, you know, just being arrogant and thinking that I'm, you know, that everybody needs to respect me and everybody, you know, that was a big problem with me, you know, prior to prison that I was a big shot. And I was like, you're just a scumbag, bro. You need to just accept the fact that you're a scumbag and be appreciative that you're out of prison. And, you know, bro, I mean, even, you know, people don't know how good they have it out here. No, it's, it's good. You just, I have to remind myself of that all the time. Yeah. That's the problem. I know that I just had a scare with, um, uh, which was 
thank God. It was a um a misdiagnosis, but it was it was a goiter, but it was um uh, they said it was a cancer. And and it like I thought I was dying, bro. Like I was scared. And yeah, and like for the last like three months, man, I've been like kind of like facing mortality, bro. Like, how am I gonna face it? Right? Am I gonna go out guns blazing? Or am I gonna go out trying to help people like I always like I've been doing? Um, do I want my son to see me shrivel up to 100 pounds? You know, I didn't know. There's so many things go through your mind. And, and, and it takes a lot to humble me, man. So I get that. And that um, it was, to face my own mortality made me face myself. And, and I, I just came to the realization that the only person that can beat me is me. I, I can I can sit here and say, oh, this, I need help. Or I need, but the only person that can fight these demons is me. So... You know, it, it. I think things happen for a reason, man. And and we 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 go through things to 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 better ourselves. And if we take advantage of it, good. If not, then whatever. You you deserve what you get, man. You know what I'm saying? And pretty black and white, I think. So when so when you started it, you started a YouTube channel. Like why why did you why did you start that? Like that's not a normal thing to just decide yeah. to start one. You know, especially for a, a guy like you, like, you know what I'm saying? Like that, you don't think YouTube when you think some fucking hardened criminal just got out of prison. Hey, let me start a YouTube channel. Like that's, I mean, there's a few guys, but you don't strike me as that guy. I, and a lot of people say that and, and a lot of people, a lot of things I do surprise me because honestly, I never wanted to be this guy. I didn't want to be that. And even when I was doing it deep down, I hated it. I hated the person looking back. I hated being, I hate being mean. I hate hurting people. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. And, and, and I thought that maybe I could fix some of it. Some of the damage that I'd done to my own life or karma or whatever, if just I could say one person. You know, if I could right. get on here and those and, and, and like somebody would tell me that I helped them. That's self-gratification. That can replace drugs, man. That can replace pain. That can replace everything. So that's why I started it. Because I was like, I saw these guys doing it, and I was like, they're lying. <laughs> like, I'm seeing some of these guys, I'm like, and maybe, they, I don't, you know what I mean? And I just felt like there was a lot of um, Hollywoodism. And, and I just wanted to like get on and be like, this is my story. This is how it went, how it went down for me. You know, and, and if this helps you, good. Because I, I knew that talking to people, it ain't like it. You know, in our in our day where you like, we had different avenues of doing that. Now people just get on the phone, look something up, and there it is. And I knew somebody would see it. And, and like now, this started in 19. I started doing this in 2019. And I've had a lot of ups and downs, man. Like, made a lot of bad moves, man. You know, because I don't know nothing about social media and what not to do and I took a lot of stuff personal people were saying, and they were like, dude, you don't, you don't feed into that. You know what I mean? I was like, I'll whoop his ass. Like, you got me. <laughs> like, it, it triggers something. I mean, there's been times we were driving down to people's house in different states because they, they had me so mad. But. <laughs> yeah, looking. Like, the first, the, the first few times people said something, like, I, I, like, argued with them and stuff, and now honestly i'm just like you know like yeah I, I can see that i see what you're saying like i i understand and yeah you think it came off like that yeah i guess that was wrong you know i i don't i i talk more to the people that talk shit than i do yeah. to the people that are like you know you're amazing you're great 
just because, and also, they'll make you be accountable. Huh? They'll make you be accountable. <laughs> yeah, because I try and look, I try and look at it from other people's perspective. And you know, look, if somebody calls me a scumbag, like it's not like they're wrong. You know what I'm saying? So if so, but what I was gonna say is, you don't think that like doing the YouTube thing is kind of cathartic? Like it it helps you realize that other people are in your position. And it's you know, it makes me think like AA. You go to AA, you can read that book at your house. Yeah. But going there and hearing those other guys' stories, it's you know, it's like, wow, I'm not alone. Well, a lot you know, of these guys have... a lot of it too is that I still to this day don't have like a lot of people. So a lot of this is therapeutic. Like the people I did have around me didn't understand. Well, I try to talk to them like, hey man, so like this one time, like, where is this in level five? And and they look at me like, we don't want to hear about your level five stories anymore. You know what I mean? But like right. I'm not worried because I'm sensationalizing. I'm talking about it because it hurts and I'm talking about it because I'm literally having night terrors about it. And I can't tell you that because you think I'm crazy. I'm telling you about it because I'm crying myself to sleep because I don't know how to deal with this stuff. Right. And all the shitty things I've done, but I'll go over here. You know what I mean? So that's where a lot of these dudes, you know, they're falling short, man. And, and now like I've gone, gotten help and therapy and all that stuff. And they, you know, they got, they're like PTSD. So I go to this EDMR stuff and that's the because I'm, I've, I've gone to like these, these therapy sessions with these war vets, and dude, I don't even talk because yeah. that, you know what I mean? Like the stuff them guys saw. I, I remember it was. I remember being in in prison complaining about my you know my 26 year sentence, sitting at a table with three guys that were never leaving that were never leaving. I was like, oh, wow, you need to just shut up and be happy. You got a fucking out date. And yeah. the thing with the uh, going and the veterans, yeah, I'll bet, man. They fucking holding their buddies' arms or holding their buddies, you know, in their, in their arms when they die and getting legs blown off. And A lot of it with me, hardest part that I see with, with like, I was telling a story to a buddy of mine today at work, man. And, you know, I've, I've seen some people die in prison. I've seen them, some bad stuff happen. But when I, the worst thing I ever saw was when this young kid, he was 19, was was killed in front of me, you know, buddy of mine, and all because it was my beef. It was I, I beefed with some guys. They took it out on me. They took it out on him because of me, you know, and I, I carried that for years, man. And, you know, all I had to do was shut my mouth. You know what I mean? Like, all of what I had to do was shut my mouth, and he'd probably be alive to be, you know, and and, it's, and I guess we all got things in our lives that we are guilty of or guilty for. Or, but at what point do you say I'm going to use it to 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 maybe help somebody else or, or whatever, and, and not live with it? Carries heavy, bro. It's just like a heavy bag you carry around all the time. And and like what I tell people now is like you can make these decisions as a young person. You get if you want to be a gangster, I can show you how to do that. You know what I'm saying? That but there's a lot that comes with that. And it isn't just the jail. It isn't just this and it's that later on in life, man, when you're 40 and you're 50 and you're an old man and you want to be sitting on your in, on your front porch playing with your grandkids, but you ain't got nothing because you've been locked up your whole damn life. Or you've lost everything and you're starting over again at 50. Do you know how hard it is to try to compete with a 25-year-old that works his ass off? Yeah. Now, you will dog yourself. So... 
I mean, it's just, you know, but they're not listening, just like I did. You know what I mean? They're, they're looking like, whatever, old man, shut up. You know, because they, you can't tell somebody something knows everything, bro. Yeah. So what, um, so what's going on with your, uh, your channel? Like you kind of, you dip for a little bit and now you're, you're back. Like what's. Yeah, I did because of a situation, um, where I backed somebody I should know. And, um, you know, unbeknownst to me, they lied to me too. Um, then I got back started about last summer and it took off in January, man. It just kind of started taking off and. Uh, we went from 25 to almost 50k in the last couple months, um, which is good. You know, it's it's, That's it's huge. Yeah, it's big, man, and, and you know, I'm pretty proud of it. It's the one thing in my life I stepped stuck with, man, which is crazy. The one thing nobody expected me to do is the one thing I stuck with. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I I don't know, man. I'm putting more more into the channel. I used to just get go on live and just um, and just I used to just go live and talk. And just say whatever, and you know. Now I'm trying to make videos, learn how to edit, and, and all that stuff too, man. So, which is, I'm sure you know, being gone, man. Like it was a different world when we went in, you know. And it's, I didn't know how to use an iPhone when I came home, man. I, I didn't. They didn't have iPhones when I went in. <laughs> they came out like 2009, <laughs> like three years later. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's, it's funny, man. How, how how technology changes so fast so rapidly and um i don't know we're doing good man channels off the yard man we we you know we just trying to make a difference i guess like you know the rest of you know just trying to get people to understand that we already did that you don't have to go do it i'm gonna tell you what happened i'm gonna tell you at the end of the story right you know what i mean you don't have to go there because it don't matter where you're at cali virginia texas fed state jail jail you know at the end of the day you know inmates are gonna fight inmates but nothing is hard, at least for me, when that door shuts and you're by yourself at night. And the only person you're facing is you. Because there's no more bravado, man. There's no more There's no more saying, oh, I'm good, oh, I'm good. No, that's when, you know, that's when it's real for me. You know, and you're laying there and you're just like, I've literally pissed my whole life away. Mm -hmm. You know, I've literally pissed it away. If you like the video, do me a favor, hit the subscribe button hit the bell so you get notified of videos like this leave me a, a comment in the comment section and i uh, appreciate you guys watching and check out my book trailers see ya using forgeries and bogus identities matthew b cox one of the most ingenious con men in history built america's biggest banks out of millions despite numerous encounters with bank security state and federal authorities Cox narrowly, and quite luckily, avoided capture for years. Eventually, he topped the U.S. Secret Service's most wanted list and led the U.S. Marshals, FBI, and Secret Service on a three-year chase while jet-setting around the world with his attractive female accomplices. Cox has been declared one of the most prolific mortgage fraud con artists of all time by CNBC's American Greed. Bloomberg Businessweek called him the mortgage industry's worst nightmare, while Dateline NBC described Cox as a gifted forger and silver-tongued liar. Playboy magazine proclaimed his scam was real estate fraud, and he was the best. Shark in the housing pool 
is Cox's exhilarating first-person account of his stranger-than-fiction story. Available now on Amazon and Audible. Bent is the story of John J. Boziak's phenomenal life of crime. Inked from head to toe, with an addiction to strippers and fast Cadillacs, Boziak was not your typical computer geek. He was, however, one of the most cunning scammers, counterfeiters, identity thieves, and escape artists alive, and a major thorn in the side of the U.S. Secret Service as they fought a war on cybercrime. With a savant-like ability to circumvent banking security and stay one step ahead of law enforcement, Boziak made millions of dollars in the international cyber underworld with the help of the Chinese and the Russians. Then, leaving nothing but a John Doe warrant and a cleaned-out bank account in his wake, he vanished. Boziak's stranger-than-fiction tale of ingenious scams and impossible escapes, of brazen run-ins with the law and secret desires to straighten out and settle down, makes his story a true crime con game that will keep you guessing. Bent. How a homeless teen became one of the cybercrime industry's most prolific counterfeiters. Available now on Amazon and Audible. Buried by the U.S. government and ignored by the national media, this is the story they don't want you to know. When Frank Amadeo met with President George W. Bush at the White House to discuss NATO operations in Afghanistan, no one knew that he'd already embezzled nearly $200 million from the federal government, money he intended to use to bankroll his plan to take over the world. From Amadeo's global headquarters in the shadow of Florida's Disney World, with a nearly inexhaustible supply of the Internal Revenue Service's funds, Amadeo acquired multiple businesses, amassing a mega conglomerate. Driven by his delusions of world conquest, he negotiated the purchase of a squadron of American fighter jets and the controlling interest in a former Soviet ICBM factory. He began work to build the largest private militia on the planet, over one million Africans strong. Simultaneously, Amadeo hired an international black ops force to orchestrate a coup in the Congo while plotting to take over several small Eastern European countries. The most disturbing part of it all is, had the U.S. government not thwarted his plans, he might have just pulled it off. It's insanity. The bizarre, true story of a bipolar megalomaniac's insane plan for total world domination. Available now on Amazon and Audible. Pierre Rossini, in the 1990s, was a 20-something-year-old Los Angeles-based drug trafficker of ecstasy and ice. He and his associates drove luxury European supercars, lived in Beverly Hills penthouses, and dated Playboy models while dodging federal indictments. Then, two FBI officers with the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force entered the picture. Dirty agents willing to fix cases and identify informants. Suddenly, two of Rossini's associates, confidential informants working with federal law enforcement, were murdered. Everyone pointed to Rossini. As his co-defendants prepared for trial, U.S. Attorney Robert Mueller sat down to debrief Rossini at Leavenworth Penitentiary, and another story emerged. A tale of FBI corruption and complicity in murder. You see, Pierre Rossini knew something that no one else knew. The truth. And Robert Mueller and the federal government have been covering it up to this very day. Devil Exposed. A twisted tale of drug trafficking, corruption, and murder in the City of Angels. Available on Amazon and Audible. 
Bailout is a psychological true crime thriller that pits a narcissistic conman against an egotistical pathological liar. Marcus Shrinker, the money manager who attempted to fake his own death during the 2008 financial crisis, is about to be released from prison and he's ready to talk. He's ready to tell you the story no one's heard. Shrinker sits down with true crime writer Matthew B. Cox, a fellow inmate serving time for bank fraud. Shrinker lays out the details. The disgruntled clients who persecuted him for unanticipated market losses, the affair that ruined his marriage, and the treachery of his scorned wife, the woman who framed him for securities fraud, leaving him no choice but to make a bogus distress call and plunge from his multi-million dollar private aircraft in the dead of night. The $11.1 million in life insurance, the missing $1.5 million in gold. The fact is, Shrinker wants you to think he's innocent. The problem is, Cox knows Shrinker's a pathological liar and his story's a fabrication. As Cox subtly coaxes, cajoles, and yes, cons Shrinker into revealing his deceptions, his stranger-than-fiction life of lies slowly unravels. This is the story Shrinker didn't want you to know. Bailout, The Life and Lies of Marcus Shrinker. Available now on Barnes & Noble, Etsy, and Audible. Matthew B. Cox is a con man, incarcerated in the Federal Bureau of Prisons for a variety of bank fraud-related scams. Despite not having a drug problem, Cox inexplicably ends up in the prison's residential drug abuse program, known as RDAP. A drug program in name only, RDAP is an invasive behavior modification therapy specifically designed to correct the cognitive thinking errors associated with criminal behavior. The program is a non-fiction dark comedy which chronicles Cox's side-splitting journey. This first-person account is a fascinating glimpse at the survivor-like atmosphere inside of the government-sponsored rehabilitation unit. While navigating the treachery of his backstabbing peers, Cox simultaneously manipulates prison policies and the bumbling staff every step of the way. The program. How a con man survived the Federal Bureau of Prisons cult of RDAP. Available now on Amazon and Audible. If you saw anything you like, links to all the books are in the description box.